Today's conversation on the Ramp podcast is one of my all-time favorites. We are speaking with Carlos De La Torre. Carlos is the current CRO at Trip Actions, which recently announced a mega round of funding, raising over $275 million and valuing the company at $7 billion. Carlos has had a key impact on their revenue growth. He's had a great career in sales, with stops along the way at Vera, MongoDB, ClearSlide, and several others. Carlos and I sit down today to talk about his journey into sales and how he lucked his way into his first sales job and what he did along the way. In any long, successful career, you have tons of folks who have helped you along the way. And Carlos shares some stories about some of the folks that he aligned with early in his career that helped propel him to greatness. We're very fortunate to sit down with Carlos. I know you'll love learning from him. Enjoy this episode of How I Sell on the Ramped Podcast. You're listening to The Ramped Podcast, a podcast connecting industry heavyweights with the next generation of talented professionals. We're on a mission to build transparency into the practical realities of your early career by exploring how the world's best did it themselves. Our guidance will help you discover and launch a successful career in sales, technology, finance, and many other industries. All right, everyone, welcome back to How I Sell. I am here with a guest that I've been super excited about since the second we got him on the show. We're stoked to bring you his mind, his thoughts on sales, and much more. It's Mr. Carlos De La Torre. And Carlos, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so you have spent 25 years in sales building high-performance teams. Right now, you're the CRO at Trip Actions. You've spent time at Vera, MongoDB, a slew of other spots. And obviously, you grew up in Miami and live in SF with your wife and son and your dog. Did I miss anything? Yeah, my daughter. And son, your daughter. daughter and dog. Otherwise, awesome. Got it right. And thank you for reminding me that uh, I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> yeah. Of course, of course. It was one of the things that attracted us to you was you've got just a wealth of information piled up and so many stops along the way and all of them, frankly, very, very successful. So we're, we're pumped to jump in. Nobody's ever called me old so kindly. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, for our, for our audience, reminder for season two of How I Sell, we ask all our guests the same five questions to get an apples to apples comparison on what it's like to come up through sales and really crush the role. Uh, so Carlos, if you're ready, we will jump in. Go. Awesome. Question number one, what's the best investment an early career salesperson can do for themselves and why? Diligence. <clears throat> Diligence your jobs because it's like a curve and meaning your career is like a curve. And so those early decisions have a big impact on how far you end up going and so really like there's no amount of diligence that is too much when you're making those early decisions on, uh, you know, what company to take or even, you know, what career you want to pursue. But assuming that you want to pursue a, a career in sales, I would say do the diligence and put yourself in a situation where you have the best boss you could possibly have someone who really knows his shit or her shit and is going to invest in you and then put yourself into a company that's growing quickly. Because if you have a great boss that invests in you, if the company's doing this, then you're going to get promoted as quickly as possible. You're not going to be waiting for somebody to retire or, you know, or waiting for a position to open up. 
it's going to be throttled. Your career trajectory is going to be throttled by you and your ability and your, and your readiness. Beyond the best boss and the company that's growing quickly, I'd say other things to think about are going to be how strong is the company's enablement? And is there going to be an infrastructure around me to give me the skills, to give me the knowledge that I need beyond my boss? What do I think of the values of the people, not just my boss, but everybody I meet? Meet people who would be your peers, meet your boss's peers, your boss's boss, and ask yourself, you know, do I do I believe in their values? Do I believe that I'm aligned and, and we see the world in, in similar ways? Because at the end of the day, you know, values drive decisions. And so you want to be in a meritocratic uh, culture. If you believe in yourself and you want to optimize your career, you want to be in a, in a meritocratic culture where people get promoted because they deserve it, because um, they're ready for the next role and not because of you know, who they know or family relations or anything else. So best boss, best company great enablement and the right values. Those would be some of the, some of the investments that I would, um, I'd invest in diligence to get some of those things. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, it's something that is very important and often learned throughout your career as you're going along. You learn <clears throat> it as you're going, right? You need to do that upfront work to evaluate, is this the opportunity that's going to put me in the best spot today? What are some of the markers? Let's just use one of the, the things you mentioned. So how do you evaluate if you're going to be in a situation with a great boss, you know, with imperfect information, maybe you haven't had a boss in the past, maybe folks have you know, you've, you've got some friends with great bosses, you've heard their perspective, but how do you know if it's the right boss for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great question, Danny. <clears throat> um, I, uh, I haven't thought about it in this perspective. I, I've thought about it a lot from the perspective of teaching people how to be great bosses, but evaluating whether someone is a great boss. I think there's, there's a lot of analogs. First, I need to decide for myself, do I think this person really knows what they're doing? Are they deep? Are they competent in their role? Because they can't teach me something they don't know themselves. And so it's like, you know, if you're in chemistry class, you know, you don't have to be a PhD in chemistry to know whether the, the professor sounds articulate and appears to have real genuine mastery of the subject matter. You know, Einstein always said, if you can't explain something in simple terms, you don't really understand it yet. And so look for someone who is deep and able to convey to me that they really understand sales. Then number two is, and this is a judgment call, an assessment. You can assist your assessment by seeking third-party validation, but then it's like, okay, is this person competent? And are they predisposed to want to help me? Or is this person competent, but they're going to be sort of locked in their office and I'm going to be like, uh, you know, like the guy at the deli at Whole Foods holding his ticket, waiting for the number to be called? Or, or is this person going to be right there in the boat with me and generous with, with her or his knowledge? That, yep. that would be something else that I'd look for. And then, you know, I'll go back to values again. I, I, I'd want to understand what this person's trajectory is in life and what they value and then corroborate that from other people. Do other people think she's competent? Do other people find her generous with what she knows? And do other people respect her values? Those would be some of the things that I that I really, you know, that I that I value highly in, in terms of assessing a boss or a potential boss. 
Yeah, that's great. Thanks for for sharing that. Now, what I heard a few times over in both of those answers was the value system. And I think what's often forgotten, especially entering early in your career and something that we teach at Ramped quite often is like, it's okay in your interview to ask that type of question of your future boss or of a future leader or future colleague of yours is, you know, what what are the things you value? What motivates you? Why are you here? And, and turn the interview not in just a one-way street into something that both can can answer and you can discover. And it's okay if you don't like the answer. It's okay to say no, even if you're given an opportunity. Uh, but know that and, and, and do the work to understand the value system going into the role. Hey, Danny, I love what you just said, that it's okay to ask about values. I would even piggyback on that and say, you should ask about values and it will send a really positive signal to the person who's interviewing you. It'll send a signal that, you care about the the character of the people around you, and it'll also send a signal that you're confident and that if your values are not aligned with the values of this organization or this boss, that's okay because you're going to go find an organization and a boss with whom your values are aligned. So I would say uh, ask it every time and, and don't ask it as a gimmick. Ask it to really find out and answer for yourself. Hey, is this the, is this the kind of place and the kind of people and the sort of decisions that I want to be a part of? Yeah, so so true, so true. It does take a, a certain level of confidence too, which you know you you should have as a salesperson to just ask that question. So I, I love it. Question number two: What's the biggest surprise you experienced early in your career, and why? It, you know, it's like the same surprise kept happening. <laughs> I kept thinking that I was at the top of my game, and and then I realized there was a whole other game that I didn't appreciate, and I got humbled. So. My first sales job was like by accident. My first real sales job, I, I, I sometimes jokingly say that I got fired from my first one at the ice cream parlor because I was <laughs> loose with the toppings. But, you know, putting that one, putting that one to the side, I worked at the mall selling men's suits in Miami. And I just did it because my cousin's boyfriend was the manager of the store and he got me a weekend gig and I didn't even know what this meant. But the first time we had a 10% commission. And so the first time I got a taste of selling a thousand dollar suit and making a hundred dollars, you know, I'd have to mow five lawns to make a hundred dollars back then. And so I could talk to somebody for 30 minutes and, and, and make a hundred dollars. So I really got a taste for, you know, the kind of money that you could make. And so anyway, I was surprised. I, I did that for two summers and I thought I was pretty good at it. And I thought, you know, I, was, I kind of knew everything there was to know about sales um, because I could sell, you know, three or four suits in a weekend. And then uh, and then in college, I worked at a, at a copier uh, reseller, Bernie's Office Automation. And I learned and I was humbled by how hard it is to knock on the door of an office and ask for the office manager and try to talk to the office manager about document management and, you know, and electronic communications, which is code for, you know, fax machine yeah. and, uh, and, and, and not, and basically have a situation where you're not supposed to come back to the office. They call it canvassing. You're not supposed to come back to the office if you don't get 20 business cards of office managers and then you come back and uh and then you spend the afternoon you know cold calling or or, or warm calling these people whose cards you got turned out that was hard uh that was harder <laughs> than selling suits and and then you know after college i went to a, this medical company called coulter back then it's now called beckman coulter and i did really well there and i worked really hard and i was a lot younger than most of my peers so i had this great reputation 
in the company. They, they, they thought I was like this prodigy. My dirty little secret was I just worked so much harder than everybody. So I had like twice the results, but I did five times the effort. I actually wasn't as good as the old timers, but I didn't brag about you know how many demos I did. But anyway, I thought eventually I got good because I kept doing it. And so again, I thought I knew what I was doing, but really I was sort of self-taught. And it yep. wasn't until I landed myself in um, parametric technology, that was the first sort of real enterprise class, sophisticated sales organization. And, and that was hugely humbling because uh, everywhere I looked were people that were as good or better, as smart or smarter, as hardworking or more than I was, and it was super humbling, but it all, and, and it was terrifying, frankly. I, you know, I remember I had a long commute to the office and I'd call my mom and, uh, and, 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 you know, she was like the only person that I'd admitted to, but I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm good enough to hang at this, uh, at this new place. But, uh, fortunately I stuck with it and, uh, and, and good things, you know, happened afterwards. Yeah, I admire I admire the uh, the hard work and the effort. We have heard that across many guests just in the beginning phases of your career. It really is, even if you're not working smarter, it is sometimes just sheer will and outworking the person or people next to you. And something that I did, I, I like you, stumbled into sales almost by accident at Groupon was I had a leaderboard of the, the folks who were making the most calls and I just straight up every day came in and was like, until I get good at this or even if I don't, I'm just going to be number one. That's that's okay. all I can do. I can just do the work. And if it, that, that's 100% of my control. Everything else may not be, but this is. It's the easiest to describe path to excellence. Right. The path to being excellent is to suck and to suck often. And the more often you do it poorly, the more you will learn and the closer you will get to doing it well. And, uh, you know, sure, there are shortcuts. And obviously this program that you run uh, definitely can, can shorten that uh, journey. But I will say, I'll get on a little bit of a, a soapbox here. To anyone that's considering a career in sales, check check your why. If the why is, I wanna see how far I can go in my career, and this is an important and, I am willing to make the sacrifices personally in order to do it, that's, that's, a, that, that's a good set of uh, boundary conditions. If it's more like, hey, my neighbor's in sales and she makes a lot of money and drives a nice car. So this seems like a really you know, easy way to have a great life. You know, one thing about sales in general is it's measured and measurable. And so if you're not willing to, you know, to, to really invest and, and, and take personal sacrifice, there are, there are other things you could do that you'll probably be happier and, and more successful. So like work ethic is, uh, is something you have to really get, you know, get, uh, get right with yourself about. Totally. It's a great, great advice. And uh, as straightforward as you can say it too. All right, moving on. Question number three. What's one mistake that you made early in your career that shaped the way you operate today? I optimized for the wrong thing. I actually did it twice and I'll leave some of the details out to, um, to, uh, to protect the guilty. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I didn't follow my own advice. I didn't go necessarily to the best boss and the company that was growing fast that had, you know, a meritocratic culture. In one case, I optimized for, you know, the title or the role or, um, and, and, and uh, you know, fortunately I corrected the mistake quickly 
but you know, I lost time. It was very painful. That pain, you know, when something goes wrong in life, there's a saying, a guy I admire, Ray Dalio says, pain plus reflection equals growth. And so when something doesn't go well, I, I think there's an opportunity that is to just sit in the pain of it not going well until we feel like we've analyzed it and we understand the, the drivers for that negative outcome and especially the drivers that are in you know our control and then take that take that lesson and implement it going forward and and that was that was it i mean i um i optimized for hey how much are they going to pay me and what's going to be my title and all this other stuff that isn't as important as best boss best company and a meritocratic culture and so that that hurt Yep, that's uh, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Ray Ray uh, Dalio is one of the favorites of the program too. And oh, Principles nice. is, a, okay. is a is a book that I would recommend to anybody to read. It's highly recommended. He's the man. He's he's somebody I wish that I would have um, gotten to know his works well before when I did, which was about four or five years ago. Awesome. Question number four. And some folks take this in a different way. Some are uncomfortable sharing a specific name. So if you want to talk about the situation, totally cool here as well. But who has had the greatest impact on your career and can you expand? I mean, the two people that have had the biggest impact on who I am are, are my grandfather. Uh, his name was Jose. And, uh, and, and the person who's taught me the most professionally is a guy by the name of John McMahon. He was, uh, he's, he's well-known in sales. If you, if you Google him, you'll find all kinds of uh, information about him. I was lucky enough to work in his organization, but many levels below at um, Parametric Technology. And then at Blade Logic and, and at BMC, Blade Logic was acquired by BMC. I was able to report directly to him. And so I'll talk about him first and, and then I'll say a couple words about my grandfather. But uh, so from John, I think John is very thoughtful and he has a great ability to simplify the core truths of sales and sales leadership. And, um, and he's very generous with what he knows. And so he was a great mentor of mine. I think in terms of sales leadership, in the years that I worked for him, I learned more about you know the, 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 the real priorities of, of sales leadership, recruiting, development, and, and execution. I learned more from him than, than from anybody. And then from my grandfather, I think I, I think I learned a lot about being true to your values, a lot about respect, respect for the environment, respect for other people, and the importance of you know, doing the right things on the small things when nobody's watching and how that kind of defines who you are. So I'm very thankful to have both had both of those people in my life. Yeah, they sound like exceptional role models for you, both in uh, tactical and spiritual, emotional level. So I'm excited to hear that. And thanks for taking it in that direction as well. Uh, last question, we'll get you out of here on this. We ask all of our guests on both seasons this one question at the end. If you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give yourself when you were entering into your career? Well, it's a little bit repetitive with what I said before, but I would do more diligence and I would not fall for the bait of title or comp or anything else. I, I didn't fall for the bait, but there was this one company that I almost went to 
because they kept throwing sort of fringe benefits. Hey, we let you fly business class and we let you stay at fancy hotels whenever you travel. And, and it was, and it, you know, the every company I'd ever been at before, you know, you had to stay at sort of the, you know, the Hampton Inn and, and, and fly, uh, you know, in the cheapest possible seat. So that was very alluring. But fortunately, I, I learned my lesson from that. Um, so I think I do more diligence. And, uh, and I think I would have landed in companies like Parametric Technology and Blade Logic and MongoDB and TripActions sooner and, uh, and, and, and would have uh, made a bigger impact potentially on my career and on that of others. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and sound advice and something that when you're coming into your career is not always present, right? You want to just go get that role, get the job, get the salary, like rush, rush, rush. You're right out of school. What's next? What's next? What's next? And oftentimes you forget you got to just slow it. You know, it's worth that investment of time in the in the beginning phases so that you land in the spot that's going to set the rest of your career up really well. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. The impacts compound on each other. On themselves. For sure. For sure. Well, Carlos, I, I know your presence online, but where can folks find you if they want to? Uh, follow me on LinkedIn, Carlos Delatore. Um, gosh, I should know my Twitter handle. Maybe we'll put it in the, in the show notes if there is such a thing. Yeah, I'm not particularly uh, active on uh, social media other than uh, doing podcasts like this. Awesome. Well, well, we'll send folks that way. We'll drop the Twitter handle into the show notes. And uh, and Carlos, thank you so much for being on the show. Our audience is going to absolutely love the guidance that you presented to them. And we hope to have you back someday on the How I Sell podcast. It's a real pleasure, Danny. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ramped Podcast. To access our show notes, the Ramped platform, or to become a corporate partner, visit www.rampedcareers.com or email us at sales at rampedcareers.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ramped. Ramped is on a mission to democratize job access through learning and career discovery. Until next time.